Welcome to Leveling Up, a noob's quest to get good. This is a gaming history and interview podcast where each week we take a new game and discuss its history. As well as look at it from the perspective of someone who hasn't played a lot of games. I'm Joe, your resident gaming historian. So, hello everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, before we begin, I do just want to say, we are uh, two of the whitest people that have ever existed on the face of the earth, so we're going to talk about all these Mexican words and be totally unable to pronounce any of them. So, be ready. But we're going to try real hard. Oh yeah. Or, maybe not. Or maybe not. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, team, Guagamele, how you explain this game to someone else? Guagamele is a game where you play as Juan, the agave farmer turned luchador, trying to stop this evil skeleton from performing a ritual and killing the girl you love, mm-hmm. um, morphing the world of the living into the world of the dead, mm-hmm. and simultaneously becoming ruler of all of it. He really has a... High, high aims. Yeah. Laundry list of things to do. Yeah. Busy, busy man. The man knows what he wants, and he's going for it. He's he's going for it. He is... He really has, has a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. So... It's great, though. It is. I love it, and I know you love it. Guacamele is a beat-em-up Metroidvania game developed by indie development company Drinkbox Studios. The game was originally released on the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation Vita in April 2013. Drinkbox Studios added additional DLC, missions, and costumes, and released on Steam in August 2013 as Guacamelee Gold Edition. Later, in July of 2014, Drinkbox Studios released the Definitive Edition, Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition, to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Windows, Xbox 360, and Wii U. This version included a number of new areas as well as some new bosses. Uh, so what are your general impressions of the game? Although I kind of just spoiled it. You spoiled it. Hey, guess what? My general impressions? I freaking love this game. It was fantastic and such just a joy to play. Like, Mm -hmm. I have to... I have to play these games in usually two weeks, and I have a very busy schedule, but I was always very excited to play this game. During the history section, you were talking about, uh specifically the bright colors, and I was like, yes, I feel that so much. Everything was so bright and pretty and fun to look at. Yes. I really do think Drinkbox did a great job with this game, and they do a great job with all of their games. All of their games are very wonderfully art-styled. That's not how you say words, but no. that's fine. Good good to know you're struggling even with the English word- words. The game was very well received, being awarded multiple awards, being rated in the 9.0 range across the board, and even getting a few physical releases in the years after its digital release. So, Guacamelee uh, is a Metroidvania beat-em-up platformer. It's a lot of genres, but the the overarching one is a Metroidvania. Uh, you know, you go, you go around, you collect items, you backtrack, 
So my first question... Oh, yes, please, go ahead. Well, I don't know. Wait, what, what was your first question going to be? My first question was exactly how much backtracking did you happen to do? Optional backtracking, okay. I suppose, is my question. Well, yes, because my goal for this kit... For this... I almost said campaign. My goal for this game... <laughs> rip, too real. <laughs> my goal for this game was just to complete it. Mm-hmm. I did not have to 100% the game. Because uh, that was probably a little above my... Or a lot above my skill level in two weeks. Sure. <laughs> it was a lot. But it's okay. I did... I feel like I definitely did a lot more backtracking in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then once... I don't know. I feel like I didn't... I rarely did any backtracking once I... I don't know. I don't know. I did a little bit of backtracking after I fell out Flame Face, but not sure. much. Like... It was mostly before, like, I feel like that was a good marker for when I, like, stopped backtracking. <laughs> I, I, it, that kind of makes sense. At that point, it's kind of momentum, you're nearing endgame, you're kind of just like, oh, let's go, let's be Kalaka. Yes, exactly. But it was, I thought I would absolutely despise going back. Mm-hmm. But it was, the, the few times that I did it, I actually found it really satisfying, and I think part of the reason that I did it was oh, I remember this one place, or oh, I remember this green block, or I remember this blue block here. Yeah, that that's the thing. I mean, that's how Metroidvanias work. It's You're, you're supposed mm-hmm. to be presented with stuff that you can't deal with, and then you learn how to deal with it, and so you go back and do it. Mm-hmm. I really think Guacamelee did an excellent job, because a lot of uh, big pitfall that a lot of Metroidvanias can fall into is not having satisfying backtracking. And I think Guacamelee really did it excellently. They really easily rewarded you for your backtracking. Also having not only the map that you could access at any time, but having the blocks stick out larger than they usually were, the chests stick out larger than they usually were, and in their specific color really was so incredibly useful, and made backtracking a, a more... made backtracking an easier experience mm-hmm. and yeah. more likely for you to complete it, I feel Sure, then. for sure. I know you didn't do a huge amount, but for me, backtracking is go to the area, open the map, stare at the map, and find the parts where the map's not fully filled in, and then go fi- go find those parts. Yes. Yes. I can't tell you, I did a little bit of that, and I can't tell you how many times I just jumped off things in the hope that, like, my map screen would fill uh, out, and it just, yep. it didn't, because it was just yeah, open air. Yeah. <laughs> that happened more than a few times. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes you are rewarded. There are places, that, like, with, uh, where you will be rewarded for your brashness. Yes. Or your completionist attitude, perhaps. <laughs> it was sort of on that topic. It was so weird to play a game where it felt like death didn't matter at all. Yeah? How yeah, so? Well, because one of the only... Actually, okay, no, I'm gonna say, like, the only game I have seriously, seriously played, the only other video game I have seriously, seriously played is The Binding of Isaac, Mm -hmm. where death puts you right back at the beginning. Sure. Every time. Yeah. This, like, I I could sit there and jump off the temple as many times as I wanted and nothing would happen. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I could, I could get, I could lose to the big boss and, like, I would just reset at the nearest altar and, like... When I went to fight him again, he'd only be at half health. Yeah. Like, death was almost non-consequential. Yeah. Which was super weird. It's interesting that that's how you feel about that. Uh, Not saying it's a wrong feeling. It's just that is 
how most video games play. Most of the time, death is almost inconsequential. Except for if you perhaps play a hardcore mode in a game where you have one life, or if it's something like a core mechanic like in Dark Souls, where when you die, you lose all your souls. A lot of games, once you pass a checkpoint, die as many times as you like, or as many lives as you have, perhaps. It, inter uh, Guacamelee and other Metroidvanias like it are interesting in that they don't have a live, a live system. A lot of games have some form of limiting renewal, like with a live system, mm -hmm. like in Mario, or something like that. Guacamelee is purely, you die, go right back, try it, do it. Yeah, mm -hmm. which I enjoyed, because it made me, it's not that it made me less likely to try to get through a hard puzzle, but it made me feel like I wasn't wasting my time or wasting my energy mm -hmm. on or, a pre or I wasn't wasting a precious resource that I could have used somewhere else. For sure, for sure. So, my next question, did you try any of the optional areas in the game? Uh, for instance, the Caverna del Pollo or the El Infierno areas? Okay, so I did not get to El Infierno. Mm -hmm. I did uh, was the Poya one, like, the mine shaft looking? Yes. it's the one where you yeah. fought a bunch of enemies in a bunch of arenas, like, over... No, I did... No, I totally did yeah. that one. Like, all the way through? Or... Okay, so, like, I'm pretty sure I did it all the way through, mm -hmm. but then, like, there were these doors? Yeah. I don't know. I, like... I don't know. I, I did it all the way... Yeah, I, I, I did it all the way through. I'm pretty sure. Okay. You went from the top to the bottom I'm... once, though? Yeah. No, there, you have to do that three times. Damn it! Uh, that's actually, I mentioned this to you earlier while we were talking about this, the mask pieces. Okay, I finally oh, okay. got one for beating Kanaka. Yes, you did. That is the seventh and final mask piece. But you need to have all six of them to actually get, all seven of them to get the good ending. Which, uh, I believe means you didn't get the good ending. No, I didn't. And it was really sad. I was really sad. Like, I don't enjoy watching, uh... The credits roll by, but I just sat there kind of stunned, and then I saw the end scene, and then I cried even more. Yeah, yeah. I was not bawling, but like at the end scene, there was Loki an actual, there there was an actual tear. Single tear. There might have been two. <laughs> I was actually really sad. Yeah, and I, 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 I like that. I mean, it's heartbreaking, and that's the point. It's like, hey, maybe go do more of the game. Maybe you'll get a back. Maybe go do more game. Maybe, maybe you'll find happiness in the end. Maybe. By the way, I'm only saying this out of secondhand experience because I never actually beat the game without 100%ing it first. What do you mean? What? Really? I've seen it because I watched it on YouTube. No, but, but that doesn't. Oh. Yeah. No. I. That's the thing with these type of games, Metroidvanias. I always 100% them before I beat the final boss for this exact reason. Because you always you you have to 100% it to get the good ending. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I wasn't aware. No. I'm I wasn't not... aware. I was in for a sad time at 10:30 this morning. And now you've learned. Especially coming right after um, Super Mario Bros. Mm -hmm. Where it's like your princess is in another castle and. Quite a few of the boss, uh, the bosses during the game mentioned that, like, oh, he's here, he's here, like, yeah, yeah. with your princess, mm -hmm. and then, like, I was like, oh, yes, and then just, like, no! I finally have her! Or not! <sighs> <sighs> so, wait, what happens? Maybe you'll find out. Joseph! <laughs> Would you like me to tell you? Well, no, just, like, how, how do you, 
They're fine. It's fine. Maybe we'll do an addendum in a it's later fine. episode when you find out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so more on the mechanical side of things. How do you feel about the platforming aspects of the game? Not nearly as hard as Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Not nearly as hard. I felt highly competent, which means it was easy as fuck. I wouldn't necessarily say that. No, no, okay. E easy as fuck is too extreme. Yeah. It was it... not nearly as hard. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as hard, and uh, hearing from what you say, you did do a lot of the optional areas, which are where the hard stuff comes in. Okay, fair enough. And, like, but, like, yeah, overall, I would say it's hard, or it is, Guacamelee is an easier game overall than, uh, than Super Mario Bros. 3, um, just purely based on the fact that Guacamelee came out, like, 30 years later, so they had yeah. a lot of things that they built upon. Also, I was so happy with myself, because I never noticed dumb Easter eggs in, like, any media. Mm-hmm. I'm very one-track mind kind of thing, and I noticed there was a Super Mario Brothers reference, and I was very proud of myself. Yeah, there were many references, in fact. Okay, yeah. you know what? I saw one and I was happy. That's all ah, I need. That's fine. You can be quiet. So, okay. How did you feel about the super moves being useful both in combat and in uh, uh, move actually physically, like, you know, locomoting around the world and such? It was probably for the best. Otherwise, I probably just would have smashed the one button the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was... It was actually a great way to get you more comfortable with not only using them, but using them in succession. Mm -hmm. And knowing, like, the limits of what you could do. Like, you could only do, like, four things in a row or whatever the fuck it was. I don't know. Sure. sure. Obviously, I didn't learn it that well. Sure. I guess it was a dumb Clearly. thing to say. Know. <laughs> you know, problem. Initial ideas were bandied about while Drinkbox was finishing development on their first game, Tales from Space, about a blob. The development of Blob was unfocused and poorly directed at times, and Drinkbox wanted to fix this for their next game. The idea for Guacamelee as a pure brawler game, inspired heavily by Mexican culture, was proposed by one of the studio's concept artists, Augusto Huigano. As development continued, they added a number of additional mechanics, such as dimension shifting, power moves being both combat and locomotive, and the game's Metroidvania structure. Combining as many disparate elements gave the developers some concerns, but after some initial prototypes, they believed they had a worthwhile product. While for the most part, development went smoothly, there were a few issues that arose over the course of the game's creation. The personalities of some of the new members hired on to work on Guacamelee clashed with the established team and the somewhat lax authority structure in the company. Additionally, Drinkbox included many references and memes in the game, as they had done with About a Blob, but on release, the quantity of references was jarring to a large section of the audience. Also, there were a number of difficulty spikes in the game that Drinkbox didn't anticipate, as they were so used to the combat system that they didn't realize the players may not have been prepared for the challenges presented to them. So, what did you think of the art style? It was... I can't say enough about the art style. I think that was my favorite part of the game. It was 
pretty to look at, which sounds dumb, but it was. It was so pretty and it was engaging and not like pretty like, oh my gosh, it's so realistic. It looks like real water. Like, no, it didn't look like real lava that I was jumping into, but it looked like awesome. Yes. I mean, may I remind you, this is award-winning art. I could see why I would have given it an award. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. great. Yeah. The art style was wonderful. I loved how fluid a lot of the animations were, and I loved how active everything was. Yes. And the little... The fact that... And they kind of they kind of stopped it more towards the end... More towards the end game. But the fact that when things uh, sparkled versus when they sparkled red, it kept you looking at more than just your character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, definitely. It kept you looking at the whole screen. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What about the soundtrack? Okay, so, at first I was like, oh, this soundtrack is awesome. But then I realized I was like, I mean, no, it's still great music, but I was like, it didn't all feel the same, but it felt like there was, they had two tunes. They had the, you're walking through a world tune, and you're gonna fight a battle tune, and that was it. Sure, yeah. And like, were... Obviously, I know they were different, but I was just like, I don't know, it felt, I don't know, it felt like it all kind of melded together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of, yeah, I mean, a lot of it was very themed. It was all very, you know, Mexican-style music, and a lot of it... Exactly, and... Just a lot of it had the, had similar kind of roots, I suppose. Exactly, and maybe if I was, if I only listen to Latin music, or that was my favorite kind of genre, I might have found, been able to pick out the more subtle differences, mm -hmm. but it it's not something my ear was used to hearing. Sure. So I, it, ju it just wasn't there for me as much. Sure. I mean, it was still really cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it was still enjoyable to listen to, but then I realized, like, during the final boss fight, I was like, I feel like this is the same music I've been listening to the whole time. Yeah. I can understand that. Because uh, that's when I start to take notes on the thing you're gonna ask, the things you're gonna ask me is during the final boss fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's when I make sure I'm writing down my thoughts. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, and then uh, one last question before we move on to the next section. I know you had a bit of an issue with a certain audio thing from the last game we played. How do you feel about the uh, the sound effects in Guacamelee? About the huh 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 huh. So much, uh, so much less annoying. Yeah. So much better. And maybe it was because the huh is so much of a lower sound than like the, the whatever irritating noise that was. Mm -hmm. it's whatever you want to call that. It's because they're actual MP3 files instead of uh, noises produced from an NES sound card. <laughs> garbage. And this is not garbage at all. Mm -hmm. This is much... Much less garbage. Yes, much less Much gar better garbage. <laughs> Alright, let's No, it was, it was a garbage. Yeah. The art style of the game was meant to stand apart from many of the muddy, dim color palettes used in many AAA games while still appealing to hardcore game audiences. They accomplished this by moving away from the rounder, more childish designs of About a Blob to the more angular designs of Guacamelee. The result was stunning, receiving high praise from fans and multiple awards. 
So, now we're going to move on to the section I like to call highs and lows, where we discuss our favorite and least favorite parts of certain, uh... Aspects. Aspects of the game. Thank you. Uh, first high and low, higher at high and low, villain. Do you mean... Like, the ma the big or... boss. The big bosses. The big bosses? The, the big, big boys. boys? Yes. Um, Whether it be mechanically or because of their personality or a combination of the two. Which ones did you enjoy the most? Okay, most? It's... Oh, okay. I think it's a tie... Mm -hmm. Between... Okay, it's a tie between the Jaguar and... Jaguar and Javier. Oh, yeah, okay. It's a tie between Javier and... What's her name? You remember how I put that uh, disclaimer at the beginning of this video, boys and girls? I believe it's Jatabe. Okay. Because, again, I want to say XTB. It's yeah, not right? that. Um, yeah, it was definitely a tie between Javier and Jatabe. Okay. Yeah, why? Javier was... I mean, his fight wasn't really... Not that it wasn't anything special, but it... For me, I felt that it was the easiest mm -hmm. out of the boss battles. Um, but, I don't know, his whole thing with your little goat mentor and how he was your mentor and then, like, both Javier and the goat were together in the end. Yeah. Like, the story of just, It's nice. It was cute. Yeah. It was cute. Yeah. And he was, he was an honorable... He was an honorable jaguar. He was. He was. And then... With Jitabe, just her crazy, her almost bipolarness and her infatuation with Kalaka, it was great. It was great. It was great. You needed, you needed the the jealous wife at home, <laughs> and it was great. She's she's she is a wonderful character. I mean, everyone in Guacamele, all of the bosses, they're all wonderful. All of the characters in Guacamele are wonderful. Did you have a favorite? For sure. My favorite was the Skeleton Mariachi Band, actually. Oh, they were great. They were so they were so great. And they just wanted their fourth member back? I know. They wanted their member back, and their story was great. And I also have this weird fascination with, like, constructs. And so that whole part of them kind of spoke to me a little. Mm. And I also really enjoyed their boss fight, personally. Um, it was interesting and kind of innovative. And I don't know. I liked it. I really liked it. They're ever they're everything really. Yes. That uh interesting side note, that was the only part of the game that Joe actually got to watch me play was uh -huh. the Trio of Deaths boss fight. Yes. I was very aggravated. Yup. Yup. <laughs> I had been banging my head against that one wall for quite a bit of time. And then she finally beat it and I just kinda snuck in a oh you know, I beat that on my first try, by the way. Uh -huh. Oh, you know? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh. It's not like I've 100% in this game before. Uh, uh. I am Joe. Uh, yeah, I'm Joe. I'm kind of good at video games sometimes. I hate you. Uh, what about least favorite? Least favorite? Um, no. I think it was the trio of death. That's totally I hated fair. their boss fight the most. Yeah, yeah. You did seem very aggravated with them. I was super aggravated. Yep. Yeah, no, that's understandable. It was the worst. It wasn't the worst. I mean, it was the worst, but it was still pretty good for the worst. 
Exactly. I didn't hate them. I just hated their boss fight the most. And that's the thing I really like about Guagamele is we're talking about favorites and least favorites, but just because you're a least favorite doesn't mean you hate it. It's just your least favorite. Because Guagamele yeah. is just such a, le a solid level of quality on everything in it. Exactly. Yes. What about you? Uh, for me, it was actually uh, Javier. Ooh. Uh, this one I had actually decided before playing again, and my opinion kind of changed. Because, so you remember in the history, I was talking about difficulty spikes. Uh-huh. Javier was actually the developer's favorite boss fight, but also the one that they made the most difficult. Because it focused a lot more on the very minute mechanics, the minutia of the combat system. So it was difficult okay. if you didn't really pick up on the combat system, or all of the minutia of it at least, like the developers wanted you to. And so the first time I played okay. it, I didn't really get that by the time I got into Javier, so it was really difficult, and it was the one that I was banging my head against a lot. Playing it again, I beat him in one try, and I his story is entertaining, and his boss fight is fine, but I don't know, it's just, again, it's not bad, it's just on the bottom of the totem pole for me. That's fine, that's fine. So, next section, Super Moves. I think, I know we've talked about this, and I think we both agree on the best super move. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three, two, one. Go! Boyo power! What? Wait, what? No! Wait, what's yours? The flying goat one! We talked about this yesterday, and you said it was the chicken. I know, because it was, okay. Wait, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, that. Hold on, just because I haven't said it enough. Hold on. Turning- that doesn't count! I counted it. That it's doesn't a power, count! It's a power that you gain during the game. But, like, you said super moves. So yeah, I thought, was... like, one of the four or five, like, different colors. Okay, I counted, I counted a super move as any ability you gained during the course of the gameplay. Sorry, okay. I should have been more clear okay. about that. Okay, but also, that's super not a super move, because all the other super moves you gain from Chozo? Chozo? I think they called him Chuzu in this game. Or Chuzo. There's an extra O in there somewhere. From the, the... You gain all these other powers from the Goat Man, and you don't gain the ability to turn into a chicken from the Goat Man. You're not wrong. So, that's not a super move. Right, fine. No, but it, it, is, it is the best part about this game, the fact that you can turn into a chicken. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's... that's Continually throughout the game at any time that you want. Yes. Also, by the way, uh, another reason you should go back at 100% it, if you get all the masks aside from the one you get from Kalaka, you can totally fly with the chicken. What? Yeah. Oh my god, yes. Yes. I forgot about that, and then I got all the mask pieces, and I'm like, oh my god, you can fly, I forgot. Oh, <gasps> Yes. The only thing that sucked about being a chicken is, and it's probably, this is probably my own fault because it's how I set up my controller, mm -hmm. but I would very often hit the chicken button mm -hmm. instead of the dodge yeah. or the switch realm button. Oh, totally. I confused those three buttons all the time. And it was... All the time. The worst. There were times when I was trying to dodge and I turned into a chicken or I was trying to switch switch mentions and turn to a chicken it was a, and you're like well great there was a lot of accidental chicken in that playthrough yeah yeah uh what about least favorite 
Uh, the frog one? No, lies. The least fear was the pink- however you destroyed the pink blocks. I still don't know how to do that. Man, I feel like you would like it, though, because the way you destroy the pink blocks is you get a power-up for the chicken where you can shit out of eggs. What? Yeah. That's- Okay, then no, yeah. It... I can't even do- it definitely the frog is the okay. worst. Uh, for- I hate that one. Why- why the frog smash? Mmm. I just- I don't know. I always found it the most challenging to- do which sounds dumb i mean i cause... hate mine for a similar reason yeah i don't know i just i hate that one okay yeah for me it's olmex hud olmex he headbutt because it's the most challenging to pull off for me because i usually end up doing the blue kick instead because you have to be standing perfectly still to do the headbutt and so i usually am moving mm. so i do the whatever the blue one's called i don't remember the blue, Here, the blue punch one. I had a similar but opposite issue. Instead of doing the rooster uppercut, I would do the headbutt. Really? Often. Interesting. It sucked. I'm... I hated yeah. it. Yeah. It can be obnoxious sometimes to get the super moves to work, but when you pull them off, especially during like a challenging puzzle, a uh, platforming puzzle or something, so satisfying. I think I know why I hate the frog one so much, and it's because the less thing that I did with the game was I fought Kalaka, mm -hmm. obviously, because I didn't go back at 100% the game, but I would always frog smash not close enough to me. Oh yeah, no, that's fair. And then I would just waste a move, and then I would get mm -hmm, hit. Mm -hmm. Alright, no, that's fair, that's fair. Uh, okay, so moving on, what about dungeons? Uh, dungeons? Yeah. Okay, least favorite was the last one. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. It's very simple, and there's a lot of fighting, and not a lot of platforming. Also, I was not here for the portal mechanic. Oh, really? You didn't like the portal mechanic? No. Okay. At all. That was, I think, my least favorite part of the whole game. Uh, no, yeah, that, the portal mechanic I thought was really stupid, and that was kind of the main thing in the last temple, in the Temple of War, so I just was not feeling it. I thought it was dumb, and it didn't make- not didn't make sense, but like, I don't know, there were no portals anywhere else in the game, and it was just- I just didn't like it. Well, uh, technically there were, you just had to do the stuff that you didn't do. Uh, she's flipping me off, uh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Continue. Um, my least favorite was actually the Tule Tree. Um, for two reasons. One, it was it felt like the weakest dungeon to me. It was almost mm -hmm. not a real dungeon. It was an in-between dungeon to get you to the desert. And also, it had the most difficult platforming puzzle in the entire game. And so, I banged my head against that so much the first time I played it. And so, a, mm -hmm. bit, a little bit of that extra frustration kind of went into that gotcha. uh, decision. Was it an extra platforming puzzle? Yes. Or, like, was it a puzzle I would have done? It was an extra. It was an optional one. You had to get the uh, uh, climb up walls thing before you could get to it. Oh. Uh, F favorite dungeon? Yeah. I don't have to always go first. Oh, alright. Fair enough. I mean, you're the UE. That's why I kept asking. I'm flipping the script. Alright. Uh, my favorite was Pico de Gallo. Uh, again, purely because of the aesthetic of Construct shit. 
Uh, I loved the boss. I loved the area. I loved the... I just love everything about Pico de Gallo. <laughs> it's a great dungeon. I love it. Uh, nah. I think my favorite was definitely, uh... Uh, Temple of War. The Temple of War is also a pretty good one. Yeah. No, yeah. that was definitely... That was Flame Face's Temple, right? Yes. Yeah, no. That was the one I really liked. Yeah. It was very good. Alright, and then the last high and low... Probably a short one. Favorite and least favorite side quest. There were side quests? Uh, all right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know there was... I, okay, I only know of two of them. Okay. So I don't feel that it's right for me to compare. Fair enough. I know that there was the bean, make, help the ladies make her enchiladas, and help the mariachi band find their okay. member. My favorite was the enchilada quest, just because I love... Obviously. Yeah. My least favorite was this one... You may have done it and not even thought of it as a side quest. Some man asked you to go into his house and separate the crabs. Oh, no, I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's technically a side quest. A side quest is anything oh. that is not part of the main quest that you do. You oh, no, I did that. Yeah, I hated that one. Just because it's obnoxious to move the crabs. Yeah, I didn't like throwing things. Really? You, you aren't a fan? I felt that I couldn't throw them accurately. Were you, Okay, what... You were using a controller. Were you doing your throws with the D-pad or the thumbstick? D-pad. Okay. That's interesting, because the D-pad should actually give you more pers- Okay. The thumbstick- Wait, hold on. Is the D-pad the four- The four thing, yeah. 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 Because with- Or maybe I was just doing it wrong. It's probable. It- The throws are a little finicky, because if you- if you actually let go before the throw is finished, it'll actually flick it. It'll flick the stick, and so the throw will finish in the opposite direction. Is that why? That's probably why a bunch of your throws went the wrong way. That is, yeah, flick stick flicking is a. Mm, now that is a sexual innuendo. Uh, stick flicking is definitely a huge thing in this game that you may not have noticed, but you clearly didn't notice. Uh. And that's an issue with throws. Yeah, definitely. I didn't know you had to wait. You do and you don't. It's kind of weird, but, like, if you let go of the stick prematurely, not even prematurely, just you let go of the stick before whatever else happens, it'll flick, and so it'll change the direction of your throw. Oh, I had no idea that would have made those dumb cactuses so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. I had so much trouble with the cacti. I mean, yeah, I can imagine if you didn't have a lot of throwing capabilities. Uh, yeah, throws. Now you know. So, out of ten, what would you rate guacamole? Nine. Yeah? Alright. Nine point oh. Alright. It was fantastic. Nine point oh out of ten. Your highest score yet. It was spectacular. It I loved it. It was. It, it was. And really, Drinkbox makes excellent games, and Guacamole is, in my opinion, their best. It just is executed so well in every aspect. I had never heard of them. They, I mean, yeah, they're a fairly small studio. They've put out, I think, a total of four games. Interesting. Yeah, Guacamole, the two Tales from Space games, and their most recent one is a game called Severed. Yeah. We might do... Is it bloody? It's cartoon bloody. 
It's a very it's it's similar to Guacamelee in that it's a game is inspired by a certain uh, culture. I believe I could be wrong. I don't know if it, for sure, but I believe it's inspired by Native American culture. Oh. And uh, the plot is you're this girl and you have your arm cut off and then you get a demon arm and then you yes. do stuff with your demon arm. Yes. Uh, Severed. I'm here yes. for Severed it. Severed is also supposedly very good. I have not played it myself. We could put that on the list, though, if you want it. You have that slot. Maybe. Maybe. I'll think about it. Your drink box might be your new your new shit. It might be my new shit. Yeah. Move over. Insert studio I... whatever Isaac came from. Okay, so uh, Isaac was published by Nicholas, but Joe, it wanna... was a joke. I don't I... want a studio name. I know. We did the Isaac episode. <laughs> yeah. Alright. And uh one last thing before we go, next time we will be uh getting Tina's opinions on Pokemon Fire Red. Spoiler warning. Clench your butts, everyone. in this podcast was BitQuest by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, used under a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.